Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Handoff. Nope, Jones is going to keep it. Jones is going to run it. Jones across midfield. It's a foot race. Can he go all the way? Daniel Jones to the 20, and he stumbles, and he falls down at the 10. (laughs) (laughs) The turf monster got him. Stumbling, rumbling, bumbling, and he falls down. Wentz is back. He's looking, still looking. He starts to go. He is firing. Scott, touchdown! Boston Scott! What a kick. Quarter at the goal line and went in. This is amazing. Two late touchdowns for the Eagles. They rally and beat the Giants 22-21. But PK, that's not what we're going to remember. We're going to remember stumbling, rumbling, fumbling. The turf monster grabbing a leg about the 20-yard line. The piano was on the back. Hand me every other cliche you've got. That's kind of embarrassing. You're a pro athlete. You're supposed to be able to you know, run in a straight line. Yeah, well, I tell you, I've been watching DJs fall down for a long time. Oh, uh, why you got to be like that? Uh, because I, I, I've been commissioned. I took an oath to speak the truth. Once I got into journalism, nope. Nope. it was we, all the truth, nothing but the truth, and the whole truth, brother. We haven't had a good. The, we have not had I a good foot race. I put my hand on the BOM, and I had made the oath. We had not had a good foot race in, in probably 14, 15 years, but in Denver, you saw the speed. You feared the speed. You were beaten not once, but twice. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, you know, I recognize your ego. So, have you ever heard of Assage? A what? Assage. Assage? That's what I had to do to your ego. Assage? Yeah. It ended hilariously with PK. Stop! That man has my wallet! (laughs) I was a little afraid of a citizen's arrest. I pulled up. So the Eagles get the win. The Eagles lead the division. Two, four, and one. Yes, two and four with a tie gets you to first place right now. They got a half game lead on the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, that record stinks, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, somebody can get it going to where they have a representative uh, record. And then in the playoffs, you know, one year, who was it? Uh, Went up to Seattle and won. No, it was Seattle. It was Seattle. Seattle Who they beat? Beat New Orleans up they there. They beat this. Yeah, they beat the. Okay, Saints. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were no one would go nine. up to Seattle. Seattle already lives there. Duh. And they were like seven and nine, Correct. and they beat New Orleans. Is that what it was? That's when the NFC was really bad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, football man, it's crazy. Well, for the Eagles, it's uh, it's not much. Well, but it's first place, and they got a little run here where they're playing NFC's teams. They just beat the Giants. They're going to play the Cowboys. They're going to play the Giants again. They actually have a, 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 a chance to get on a little bit of a run here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that was my point, that they can get. And then if you start thinking you're good, you know, maybe you have a shot. It's not outrageous to see because somebody's got to emerge from that division. I mean, you think about it, man. You get to five wins, you're pretty much clinched. <laughs> that that could be true. <laughs> they do have a Seahawks-Packers-Saints run coming, so there will be a test. We'll find out if oh, they're for, for real. Sure. They yeah, don't get yeah. to beat up on their own division forever. Yeah. All right, big games this weekend, 11 a.m. The undefeated Steelers and the undefeated Titans. You don't usually get 
that good a game in the morning game. They tend to <clears throat> regionalize the subpar matchups. But this one ought to work. I'm going to be watching, sure. Yeah, that's good enough for me because we we're getting – we're not totally, I wouldn't say, deep into the season yet, but we're certainly getting there. They're both 5-0. and It's a real start. I mean, we're not halfway there, so we're not there. But it's, uh, it's not sitting here pitching a battle of the unbeatens when they're both 2-0. and They're the last two undefeated teams in the AFC at 5-0. and Right. And the Steelers just took down one pretender in the Cleveland Browns, but the Titans were in the AFC title game last year. You know, the, the whole switch to Tannehill, that's, it's no longer a hot streak or a fluke. I mean, this has been working now, so... That's a legit game right out of the gate at 11 a.m. Some of the other uh, intriguing games, the Packers need to bounce back after that uh, loss to the Bucs. They're playing the Houston Texans, so I guess if you're going to bounce back, you might as well bounce back against a 1-5 team. Although the Texans have seen better since they're 1-1 since they got rid of their coach. Uh, there is a flip here. The Sunday night game was supposed to be Bucks and Raiders, but because the Raiders' offensive line, everybody's looking at them for a positive COVID test. They've got four starting offensive linemen and a safety on the reserve list, high, high-risk contacts. They may not be able to play that game. So they move the Arizona-Seattle game into primetime, so NBC has a game sh- for sure, and Fox will be regionalizing that Raider game. Uh, they haven't decided what they're putting on where and all that stuff. But So we got a new Sunday night game on our hand, but it's your Super Bowl pick, the undefeated Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I saw that. Up and coming Cardinals. That's a good matchup. Cardinals are four and two. Seahawks are five and zero. Oh. You care about New England and San Francisco? Or are those are two teams that were good brand names a couple years ago, but not so much now. Do I care about them? In what way? Well, I mean that's one of the Sunday games, but it's two and three versus three and three now. It's not quite the glamour matchup you would have hoped, or that it would have looked like a year or two ago. Well, it's an NFL game. I mean, that's all I really got for you. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Coach Spavadol is a really good coach, and and he's been around, has had some great mentors in his coaching experience, and so they'll be ready to be here and play us, and I think they know the situation, but, you know, for us, it's it's a matter of us being focused and and trying to get the most out of our guys this week in practice and preparation and playing the game and and trying to be our best this weekend. That's the goal every week. From what I see, they're highly competitive, and you look at, they took UTSA all the way to overtime. A lot of respect for their coaches, a lot of respect for their their players, a lot of good athletes on their team, so we're we have to be ready. You know, we have to make sure that we're at our best because I think we're going to get their best shot this weekend. There's Kalani Sataki talking about Texas State. Now, BYU's 5-0, and and Texas State is 1-5 and out of the Sun Belt. And, PK, I always wonder, you know, you were just talking about the confidence with the Washington football team. You win a couple, you feel good about yourself. Big skins. <laughs> Hopefully, if, you're, if you get your way. Uh, but on the other end of the scale, you lose to SMU who's undefeated, 31-24. You lose to UTSA in overtime. Boston College, you're up by two scores, and they rally and beat you right at the end, 24-21, and it snowballed, and it feels like it's getting away from them now, 1-5. I don't give a crap about Texas State. This is all about BYU, so uh, whatever for them. This is about BYU. You're expected to win. Now go win the game. Cougar pregame show starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. It'll be on 97.5 The Zone. And the, uh, the Aggies will be over on 1280 The Zone. That's an 8.15 kick for BYU. 825 when they slide at 10 minutes inevitably. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. 
Well, it's always a tremendous challenge, and Boise has earned that. They deserve that. That's exactly where they are. And, you know, as I go through my career, we've been in those different situations as a staff, and, you know, sometimes you're in that position to be that top team, and everybody's trying to knock you off, and and we've been there. It's extremely challenging. Everybody's nipping at you and and wants to take your spot of where you sit. And, again, that's well-deserved by Boise. On our side of our league, we're all trying to get to that conference championship to be able to to be able to play in the, the championship game. But in our league, it goes through Boise. There's Gary Anderson talking about the season opener on the Blue Turf, Albertson Stadium, tomorrow at 5 o'clock on FS1. Scotty G's going to have the play-by-play here on The Zone. The, the pregame will start at 4 o'clock on 1280 The Zone. And then uh, he'll have the game there with the BYU stuff over on 97.5 The Zone. So, PK, massive underdog in this one. I don't have much expectations of this with Boise State favored by what, two and a half scores. I don't have much ex- expectation for the Aggies to win, but I got a lot of expectation about them to play and play well and play competitively. Not for four quarters to win the game. That's another story. But you Show- can lose ball games and still look representative. If they come out and get smoked, I'm going to be very disappointed. Okay, fine. You didn't win the game. There's always a winner and loser, and that's the way it goes. So I understand that. But I still want to see something out of these guys. To me, if I don't see something, that is going to give me far greater concern than an actual L. Well, Boise State's favored by 16 and a half. And, you know, Uh you could be in a reasonably tight game and give up a late score and get in that ballpark. And then you could be down... 31 to 7 or something uh, like that. And maybe they get a late showed me nothing against BYU. Right? Right. Nothing. nothing. You, uh, UTSA showed me something against BYU. So be UTSA. Don't be Navy. Yeah. There's there's different uh, complexions of games. I get it. They're not supposed to win. And Boise, he's right. Boise, everything they've gotten, obviously, they've earned. They're the big dog. And they've been the big dog in that conference going back to even before they were in that conference. 5 o'clock, FS1. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Thomas will go on the ground. Harrington gets through the first wave to the 50. Now it's a foot race. And who's going to win it? Who else? Daedric Harrington to the end zone. Quarterback draw. Lots of running room for Thomas. There he goes to the 45 and 40. Stays on his feet. Turns the corner to the 30. Down the right sideline. 15, 10, 5. Died for the pylon. And that's an upstate touchdown. On third and 14, Zach Thomas races 60 yards for the score. Appalachian State blowing out Arkansas State. It's the wrong ASU for you, PK. 45-17. True, true love ASU, and <laughs> them ain't neither. 45-17, the final last Everybody knows State it's wins. me. It's far it's me. It's Alabama State. All right, big games tomorrow. The Big Ten is into the mix. The schedule's not quite as thin. The schedule's thickening up a little bit. Nebraska and Ohio State at 10 a.m. on Fox. And then the, uh, I think the, the best game, at least on paper, is Michigan and Minnesota. That's in primetime on ABC at 530. You know what this reminds me of when I got my driver's license? Because for me, I was literally the last person I knew to get my driver's license. Because I turned 16 
December of my junior year. So they've been some of your friends must have gotten it in the spring. They must have had like a March yeah. birthday. Oh, and then. yeah, yeah. Every single person that I knew had it, and I waited and waited and waited, and it seemed like it was finally here. What I didn't anticipate is I'm zonked out at six o'clock in the morning on the morning of my birthday, and I get a smack in the face. Get up! What? What? Going to get your driver's license. Tired <laughs> My father was sick and tired of driving me around. <laughs> Not that I had, they had a car for me anyway. I barely drove. So we got there right when it opened at 7 o'clock. <laughs> I remember I showed up a little late for school. But I was so excited, and it took forever to get there because everybody else was doing it. And that's the way I see now, okay? Big 10. All right. Yeah, this is great. And then in two weeks, finally, finally, we keep our fingers crossed and finally actually comes to pass. The Pac-12, it's just going to seem like, wait a second, man. Everybody I know has already been doing it, and now the moment has arrived. So I'm I'm not a Big Ten fan by any stretch. I'm going to follow Michigan State to a degree because of family reasons and then some other family are that they and uh, my wife's extended family, they got a big rivalry going between the two Michigans in the Big Ten. But I'm excited to have Big Ten football back. The games that are not Big Ten that look important, I mean, we're always watching uh, number one Clemson and number two Alabama, but there's just the assumption that Alabama's going to blow Tennessee out. That's on CBS at 1.30. So who are three and four? Well, Notre Dame has now ascended to the number three spot with Georgia losing. So Notre Dame and Pitt. That's on ABC at 1.30. Will the Irish stumble, or will they uh, keep it going at least until they play Clemson? Yeah, Notre Dame is a team I've been following my whole life growing up in the Northeast with the, with the Catholic thing. It's such a big, big deal back there. At least it was when I lived there. And so I, uh, it's not like I'm a hardcore Notre Dame fan by any stretch, uh, but I certainly follow them and, and watch uh, a lot of their games. And I'm hoping that they win to set up that showdown in South Bend two weeks from tomorrow because they're scheduled to play Clemson. And Clemson, you know, just <laughs> they're just destroying. Uh, they're having a BYU-Navy every single week. The Big Ten did announce uh, that uh, in advance of the season starting here that if uh, somebody has a COVID-19 outbreak, it will not be a forfeit. It will be a no contest. The game will simply vaporize into nothingness and not be rescheduled because they're starting late and they don't have a bye. Well, I mean, some team might pick up a free win, but that's not going to happen. But but if everybody's under the same thing, I mean, I I just don't know that I see a whole lot of difference. And obviously, I hope that it doesn't come to pass, but... You know, who knows? Uh, Holiday Bowl, not going to be played this year. The Holiday Bowl and the Red Box Bowl not happening. The Pac-12 had eight bowl tie-ins, so they're down to six this year. Although it still feels like it could be a free-for-all in bowl season, so we'll worry about that when it gets here. But no trip to San Diego. Not that I expected many people to be traveling anyway. Yeah, I I guess so. It's just a sign of the times. I'm really starting to wonder, though, what's the point of the bowls? Yeah, I figured you wouldn't be too heartbroken by this. Consolation game at the end of the season for somebody who didn't win the league. Well, I'm heartbroken for the kid who this might be his last time to line up and play a a game of football. And it's nothing you'll ever recreate out on the, you know, in the real world. You can go play, I guess, softball or, you, you know, pick up basketball. But nobody plays pick up football that I'm aware of. 
USC has suspended sophomore wide receiver Manure McLean in connection to a possible federal investigation into fraud related to the pandemic unemployment assistance program. McLean has been suspended since mid-September. Uh, Manure acknowledged that he applied for financial relief uh, from the program because he's under the impression he qualified because the source of income, reselling high-end shoes, had dried up during the pandemic. LA Times is a big report on that. So. I saw that last night. That was interesting. Yeah, USC uh, out one wide receiver. You know, it used to be running back you, but lately they've just had a ton of good wide receivers. So I assume they've got the depth to handle that. I know they do. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. NBA Draft is November 18th. It's going to be held virtually. It's going to be hosted right out of the ESPN studios in Bristol. Commissioner Adam Silver will be in studio. Obviously, there will be none of the uh, the show surrounding that we've come to expand, you know, the Radio City Music Hall or whatever NBA arena or wherever, and then the commissioner getting hollered at by fans. All, all of that part of the circus goes away. It's the commissioner announcing picks. But it, I guess it won't be Roger Goodell out of his uh, basement, but it'll be something. Uh, I'm fine with it. What did they do in the old days? I mean, it got along just fine. November 18, circle it. We'll talk draft with uh, David Locke coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Game three of the World Series tonight. Series tied 1-1 after they split the first two games. Uh, you you like Charlie Morton? He has just been pretty rock solid here in the uh, postseason. One earned run in 15 and two thirds of an inning. On the other hand, the Dodgers uh, they got through the bullpen game. I mean, obviously they lost it, uh, but they got through it. So now they're they're back into the meat of their rotation. They get to throw Walker uh, Walker Bueller out there tonight. Bueller, yeah, Bueller. absolutely, man. He's been a big time stud since he was at Vanderbilt. He's their best pitcher. He's been their best pitcher for a couple years. I know a lot of folks may not be following it as much, would identify as Kershaw, but the reality is that it is Bueller, and he's their stud. So, yeah, you got two studs going. He's I, gi- I, I, go ahead. He's given up two runs, both yeah. earned in 15 innings, whereas uh, Morton's given up two runs, one earned in 15 and two-thirds. So these guys have been putting up a lot of zeros. Yeah, I do think that the Rays pitching staff is better because it has a little more depth. So... To me, that puts a little more pressure on the Dodgers, but I think the Dodgers have a better hitter hitting lineup, so you know maybe that uh, flushes it out. But I'm looking forward to this game because these are two big-time pitchers out there. Freddie Freeman, the Player of the Year and the Players' Choice Awards by the Major League Baseball Players Association. These uh these MVP awards are turning into it's a little bit like the Oscars, you know. Oh, totally. You got the Directors Guild, and then you you got the People's Choice Awards, and yeah. So, all right, DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. All right, the final sprint to the finish here. RSL has four games left, and they play three of them in the next nine days. RSL and FC Dallas tomorrow night, Rio Tinto Stadium. The next-to-last home game, or as you like to refer to it, PK, the penultimate the penultimate. Game. Yes. But, you know, the final sprint, I mean, you can't have more than one sprint if it's to the finish. So they'll play three games in nine days, and then they have one week for the last game to get ready for it. So... They've had a 10-day break. It's kind of weird. Haven't had one of those since uh, they left the bubble in Florida. They had a break. Yeah, break. and they usually that's because of like a conch cap or something. 
And it played through right through the international dates, which is what you were barely sort of kind of alluding to there. And uh, it looks like they're going to have uh, Albert Rusnak back for this match. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Well, what, what's going on? The Czech Republic isn't playing in CONCACAF? Uh, they don't play in CONCACAF. As you know, that's for North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Hence, CONCACAF. Well, yeah, yeah, but when you think about it, you know, originally the U.S. was a British territory, so you never really know with world geography. That's it. It's you called, never know what you're going to say, UEFA. PK. But never back down. <laughs> Always have the next thing ready. <laughs> Just keep dealing. Did you deal that card off the bottom of the deck? Yeah, I'll deal another card off the bottom of the deck. There's a new bottom of the deck now. He is back from qualifying for the uh, European Championship. Yes, to your point. So he's back, and they'll have him against Dallas. First time they faced Dallas this year. And the pressure is on. They really, really need a win. Yeah, I know sometimes ties feel like wins. No, they need all three points. Good. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, David Locke to talk about the draft at 8 o'clock. Raider and Pac-12 analyst Lincoln Kennedy at 8.30. And Scotty G, the voice of the Aggies, at 9 to get ready for their season opener. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Founder of College Football Country is Josh Parcell. From a national perspective, how important is it that BYU beat Boise State coming up in a few weeks? Boise State is definitely going to be the best team that they play all year long. You win that game, you're undefeated. You're certainly in a New Year's Six Bowl at that point, assuming we have them. I don't think that's going to be enough, even if they win convincingly, for me to feel comfortable with them going to the playoffs. So it's an important game, but if fans are thinking that that's the game that's going to be their ticket to winning a debate against a one-loss Power 5 conference champion i don't think it's going to be enough personally the big show weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network dj and pk brought to you in part by zero res zero res carpet cleaning has been proven in lab tests to remove more dirt and soils than other methods their powered water cleaning means no soap no shampoos and no toxic chemicals schedule your zero res cleaning today by calling them at 801-288-9376. 801-288-9376. Question of the morning. No holiday bowl this year. Should the other bowls follow suit? And the holiday bowl is the fourth bowl to check out. The Bahamas Bowl, the Hawaii Bowl, the Red Box Bowl, now the holiday. Should they? Uh, PK, we got a, a range of opinion here. Uh, there's... Uh, <laughs> Matt says, they got rid of the stadium anyway. Why not? I think the long-term plan is to move the game down to the baseball stadium anyway and have it walkable from all the downtown hotels and restaurants. So I think they can adapt with that. Um, Aaron says that would be dumb. He wants his bowl games, and he wants them now. Well, I think you have to look at the financial implications because we know that schools are being hit hard financially, right? And we don't know when we're ever, well, we know, uh, we assume it's going to be some point, but we don't know when we can resume the 100% level of normality that we've had in terms of attendance and all that stuff. And so a lot of these times when these bowls, it costs the programs and the schools money. And so I'm wondering, you know, is that something that they're just going to say, hey, you know, this isn't in our best interest financially, you know, to, to, to do all these types of things. It's great, and it's a nice celebration and all this stuff. Uh, but when you combine the fact that there's just 
there's a couple of bowl games that matter, and then everybody else is over here. At best, they may even be over there, which is even worse than being over here. And so you wonder, what is the future of bowl games? TV programming, that is the future of bowl games. Yeah, we have but seen I, but, attendance drop, and now, you know, some of these bowls with zero attendance, I mean, when you're selling, even if you're only selling 20,000 tickets, if you're selling them at 80 bucks a pop, that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of change right there. Well, yeah, that's my point, though. Can the bowls afford to keep doing it, too? Can ESPN afford to keep having these bowl games? I mean, they're laying off or supposedly going to lay off even more than they've already done, and we know they have done. That's the whole point. When you throw all the financial ramifications into the mix, what is the future? I don't know that that you can put something else on that's much cheaper. How is this going to play out? I have a feeling that in 10 years, this bowl thing that we've known for many years could look radically different. Maybe it'll look like it did when we were kids. So there were nine bowl games. There were 11 bowl games. There were 14 bowl games. I mean, it's, it's not that long ago. In the mid-90s, there were eight win teams that didn't get bowl invites. Now it's ballooned to 37, 38, whatever it is, 39 bowls. I don't even know. But that puts everybody in, including some 5-7 and seven teams. I mean, why do you want to travel halfway across the country to see a 5-7 and seven team play one last game? For the players, playing is fun. I get why they would want to do it. But to your point about the money, who's going to clear time in their schedule to watch that? And we know the answer is, well, it's just the hard course for those two teams. Nobody's sitting here watching 35 bowl games. It's good to flip one on and have it in the background through the holidays. But are you really watching it? Channel surf in, get the score, channel surf out. You watch, you watch the two playoff games. You watch the Rose Bowl. You watch your favorite team play. How many games like your, do you watch I after that? Watch, I watch all Pac-12 bowl games. You're hardcore, and and it's your job too. So, so yes, so I I wouldn't put me as the normal right. guy, but I'm watching the uh, Vegas Bowl because it usually has a Pac-12 and a Mountain West, so I can get double the whammy there for for work purposes. And I enjoy watching Pac-10 slash 12 football. It's something I've literally done since I was a, a lad. So I'll I'll do it. But it doesn't cost me anything. And every bowl game, I've never said to myself, oh, crap, i got to cover a bowl game. <laughs> never. I mean, never. Uh, all those Vegas bowls, I've been there with Utah and BYU, and that's an easy thing, though. For me, selfishly, I'm always rooting for Vegas bowls. <laughs> you know, drive down and, and then come back. I can call my own schedule, and so that's okay. And one year, thanks to Dick Harmon on his birthday, I had free tickets to see Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was quite the cast of characters at that concert. <laughs> that was that was uh, somewhere between odd and a freak show. <laughs> Actually, it, it might have been on my birthday, where our birthdays are a day apart, if I remember. So it might have been his or mine. And it was, I think it was the BYU-U talk. That, that, that was awesome, man. Olivia Newton-John, we were right there. Yeah, what I'm talking about. Scotty says the bowl games that need ticket sales to break even should follow suit and close the doors. Those who are viable on TV money alone, they should go forward and play this year. I think that's probably how it'll happen, Scotty. You, it's about the money, and I think you just hit the nail right on the head there. The ones who require a ton of travel, I mean, there's a reason the Hawaii Bowl and the Bahama Bowl bailed out first. 
You know, those are expensive. We know, uh, we can assume about the Bahama Bowl, but I'm sure that at various times you were told by administrators, yeah, going to that Hawaii game, that's fun for the players, but for the bottom line, that's like the hardest bowl game to go to. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So it's no surprise they close their doors first because there would be a lot of teams going, thanks, but no thanks. You know, it worked great for Hawaii. That bowl game is always at its best when Hawaii's in it and it's a home game for them. But then you got to find somebody to go out there and, and you can take a bit of a hit. I do wonder about some of the uh, lower end games, but you know, it's a combination of they built all these stadiums, some for baseball, most for the NFL. And so basically they need events for them. And ESPN. It's one of them, showing football games is one of the most lucrative things they do. You're right about them losing money in multiple rounds of layoffs, and I assume there's going to be more rounds going forward. And uh, at the same time, I don't think they're closing the doors, so their goal is going to be eliminate the most expensive program, and I think the stuff, there's a reason they own the bowl games, cut out the middlemen, make a little more money. And they own, I don't know what it is, eight or nine of them. The New Mexico Bowl. Own it. No, I'm never going to own the New Mexico Bowl. <laughs> no, you're not. ESPN does. So I guess as these bowl games shut down, the question is where will, uh, where will the locals end up? You don't really have to qualify. Uh, I think we both assume Utah's going to have a winning record. So they would be one of the first teams... I mean, if you got a winning record and you're playing only conference games, right now they got six tie-ins, so I think there's there ought to be something out there for for Utah with whether they end up four and three or five and two or whatever they end up. Yeah, I wonder if they even bother. A couple more of these bowls shut down. Maybe the LA Bowl doesn't want to start this year. Never mind. Bowl game for an NFL stadium. Again, not the first time we've seen that. There's a reason Nashville has a bowl game. What do they have? The Music City Bowl, don't they? Liberty Bowl's in Memphis, so it's the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Yeah. And they play in the Titan Stadium. Yeah. Uh, There's no need to be going there. I don't don't even really think there's a need for Pac-12 to be going to Alamo. What's the point? It's a long way to go. Although we saw plenty of youth fans there. But I get your point. I, it, the best bowls are drivable. Plenty. I don't know that we saw plenty of youth fans there. What do you think? 5,000? I would say at best. I think it was obscured by the fact there were so many Texas folks because it was literally right there for them available. Drivable for them, an hour from campus. Yeah. Uh, and in San Antonio, with the River Walk and the, and the uh, where the uh, stadium is, it's sort of condensed, so you do see people. But uh, I just wonder you know, why leave the conference footprint for a bowl game. The players didn't. I mean, the, the, the Utah's effort was obviously lackluster. They got rolled. You know, Texas is back. I mean, that, that's a story that is so overblown. Texas is back. Texas is back. They're like 20 times they've been back, but they haven't been back. So my point is you didn't really get uh, competitive against a team that, you know, how good were they? I mean, on that day they were way better than you. So I think you may have administration take a look at this and say, is this, is this in our best interest to do this? It's fun for the kids. 
And I would hate to not have the kids have that opportunity because I've been, and when I cover, not so much now, but back when you go earlier, so you're there for three, four, or five days. I mean, for the Fiesta Bowl, we were down there for the whole week, you know, and you go to events. And when BYU was first going to the Vegas Bowl, after they hadn't gone to a bowl for three years, it was a big deal. And so you went for the Fremont Street experience and, you know what I mean, all the stuff that they have that leads up to that. And you're covering them, and so you're at practices after the practice uh, to do media stuff and all that. Uh, but then after a while, I was like, oh, just go down the day before. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it sort of loses its luster there, and I don't know that there's a lot of excitement from the fan base there. So I, my expectation is maybe as, in, in, in as little time as five years, there's dramatically different uh, landscape of how we see these bowls and the way they're doing it. It'll be interesting to see if uh, ten, 10 or so of these bowl games go away or more. I think they do. That's what I'm saying. I really think they do. And you always hear the cliche, oh, we get 15 more practices. <laughs> okay, fine. You get 15 more practices. Is really practice time going to make Vanderbilt better than they are? Whomever. It sounds good, but... It's really the, uh, the level of talent that you have that is going to make you good because you got 15 practices in the in the spring or whatever it might be. And so there's plenty of teams who don't have those 15 practices, and then they go and they're pretty good next year. I mean, does Alabama's it's program hinge on 15 practices? Because a lot of times they don't even use the whole 15 practices. Depending on the date of your bowl game, if you draw an early bowl game, it's hard to get them all in. Especially yeah. you got finals to work around, and so it just doesn't happen. Right. So that's a cliche that you hear every year. You get the young guys, blah, 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 blah. So I, th- I think there's plenty of time, and sure, and more, more practice the better. But the point is I think you can overcome it. So, And then when you have players opting out. That, could, is, be, that could be a killer. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like even the, when even the players don't want to play, that's a red flag. And the thing is, the players are the one, those players who opt out, to a certain degree, people watch for the stars. Now, to a certain degree in college, they watch because, you know, it's their school and it's the tradition. But when the best players don't want to play in the game, it takes the edge off the game. There's no way around it. Well, last year in the Sun Bowl, you're flying that day, the day game. I'm already there, right? So the Sun Bowl was on... Alamo. No, Sun Bowl. You're flying to the Alamo. I okay, am, I got you. I got you, yeah. I'm watching the Sun Bowl. It's the Devils. And they don't have Benjamin and Ayuk. Both of them opt out. You talk about boring. I literally, no, this is not a lie. My team, Sun Bowl, nice day in El Paso. I literally fall asleep during the game. <laughs> What a friggin' snooze fest. They didn't have a lot of offense last year to begin with, with a you know, a first year freshman quarterback, somewhat understandable. But ninety five percent of their offense was Benjamin and Ayuk. And neither of them played. <laughs> what a 
boring you-know-what game yeah. that was, man. And the most exciting <laughs> game was the Oregon upset, and why did you upset Oregon? Because you're throwing long touchdown passes. Yeah. I had a huge play in that game. You probably had right. more than one, but I remember one for sure. Of course, yes. So, and you got Florida State, who's got an interim coach. I don't know who was coaching it, but Norvell had been hired, uh, but he they interviewed him up in the second quarter or third quarter. You know, they go to the game, but they don't coach it. They get, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, I literally fell asleep during that game. Literally. Literally fell asleep. That's how bad it was. <laughs> And it's not like the uh, evening game in the Alamo was that much better, to tell you the truth. No Holiday Bowl this year. Should the other bowls follow suit? The Holiday Bowl is the fourth bowl to uh, take a pass on the year 2020. Casey tweets at us, should the other bowls follow suit? No. Enough of the fear porn. He wants his bowl games. Okay, this has nothing to do with the pandemic. Not why nothing? I, yeah, I, re- I retract that. Good. My statement, as far as the changes to the bowls as we know them, has very little to do with the pandemic. Now, I understand the Holiday Bowl not playing, but my point was I'm looking at it big picture rather than in the small well, frame the holiday, in which the, we're living right now. The Holiday Bowl is a good, <clears throat> good example here because at its height, uh, late 80s, early 90s. It was great. They were putting in uh, Big Ten or Big 12 teams. Uh, well, and they put in some Pac-12 teams. And they were drawing 60,000 people. And now they're drawing, it looks like, 35,000 people. Yeah, th- this is my conference, Dave. So when you went to the Holiday Bowl, that meant you had a good season. You didn't, re- you didn't reach the ultimate, but that meant in the Pac-10, you had a good season. For a while, it was the second bowl in the pecking order. Precisely. It's dropped to third, but... But even it's more than one drop in the pecking order, the luster of it, as you just articulated. And I'm sure you remember, even though you, you didn't follow a hardcore Pac-10 fan, you're from the area, you understood the significance, oh, you knew yeah. full well that if you went out of the Pac-10, that was considered a pretty good season. That What that usually meant was you were in contention for the Rose Bowl deep into November. And it's lost some of its luster. And Big so time. if they're going to change coaches and if the star players are going to opt out and if they're not going to keep the game drivable for fans, because when you said you love going to Vegas because you control the schedule, it's not that far. It's not as much money as the plane trip. You know, the, the station's reimbursing, but it's like we've all been doing this long enough. We all know the managers, right? So, you know, you're going to have to go to and you just know this question is easier if it's less expensive, you can drive to the game in Boise. You can drive to the game in Vegas. But when you start going to a game in Texas and you got to get on a plane, and that's how fans look at it, too. Of course. The, the time and financial investment is huge. So either they make the games more regional, or it seems like some of these games drop off, or they're more lucrative to ESPN than we know. And they really don't care if the New Mexico Bowl has 8,000 people rattling around in the stands. Three hours of college football on a Saturday in mid-December is the most money they can make. So on with the show. Roll, out, so. roll out 6-6 six and six BYU and 6-6 six and six New Mexico. and Or UTEP, I guess it was, El right? Paso, they played U- yeah. UTEP that day, yeah. 6-6 uh, six and, six, six and six UTEP. And if that's a win for ESPN, 
Well, the stadiums need the rent, whether the college or pros. And if the TV, if it's that lucrative programming, I think we'll get a good idea because we know attendance is going to be way down this year. And so if you can't make a go of it, if you can play these games in empty stadiums, then the ESPN must be making a lot more money off them than we knew. All right, follow the money, as always. Coming up, David Locke talking NBA draft. It is less than a month away. We'll talk with him at 8 o'clock. Lincoln Kennedy, are the Raiders going to play this weekend or not? Still a question mark. Could go either way. We'll talk with him about the Pac-12 and the Raiders. And Scotty G, voice of the Aggies, the season opener in Boise tomorrow night. We'll talk with Scotty G at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Eric Weddle right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. What do you think of their decision to bench Fitzpatrick and put Tua in there as the starter? I mean, that is a sad reality of our business and the emotional side of the game. Uh, it is a job, and when you give it your all, and then you got fired, and then having to muster up enough energy and to pressure emotions to go sit in a team meeting and then go sit in your quarterback's room, an offensive team meeting, and you're the guy that got fired. You're the guy that got demoted. It's not an easy thing to deal with by any means. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Friday, the end of the work week. You feeling good? Big football weekend coming up ahead. Got a lot of excitement. Well, channel that excitement into your home. How about when you walk into it, man, you look at it and this thing looks sweet. You want to do that? You want to make your house shine and sparkle and get zero res out there because they've got the ability with their patented powered water cleaning system that doesn't use any of the stuff that's bad for the chemicals, bad for the environment. The no residue clean is the way to go. You don't have to worry about the carpets looking sticky, crunchy, or any of that stuff. Nope. Stays clean, gets clean faster, stays clean longer. Zero Res literally is the right way to clean. All that stuff that gets outside gets into your home and settles. So you need your carpet, upholstery, tile floors, all that stuff clean. Zero Res is the place to go. Simple. Get online and search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. You can call. I'll give you the phone number here in a second. And when you do call, here's what you're going to get. $33 per room, carpet clean. And when you schedule three rooms, Zero Res will add that fourth room for free. How about that? Great deal. I already told you how to search online. Give them the call. Easy phone number to remember. 801-288-9376. 801-288-ZERO. You got it? I'm sure you do. I want you to remember. It's always the right way to clean. Why? It's so obvious. Because it's always Zero Res. Hey guys, if you're like me and most of the people in Utah, your home is the biggest investment you'll ever make. Tim Brown here from RGS Exteriors. After years of hot summers and cold winters, your house exterior may begin showing signs of wear and tear. Rain gutters leak, cracks in stucco, wood splits, and faded siding. For five generations, we've been changing the way homes look along the Wasatch Front. If you need gutters, gutters covers, windows, soffit fascia, brick, stone, stucco, and especially James Hardy siding, give us a call, 801-280-3110, or visit us at rgsutahsiding.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by America First Credit Union. Football Fridays here on The Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. Now, PK... 
I grew up inland from San Diego, the burbs, a little country, a little bit in the sticks, a little bit in the burbs. You grew up across the river from the city so nice they named it twice. And you might have told us a couple times, don't bother me with your picks unless you got a slip that says you put money on it. <laughs> but I just saw a story during the break. <laughs> this has got to make you cringe a little bit. I, you know, do whatever you want with your money. It's your money. <laughs> this does make me cringe. This story is from uh, USA Today. Daniel Jones tripping over his own feet. Obviously, uh-huh. it's you know that's that's the one play you take away from this game, right? It was a great comeback. Philly got two late touchdowns to beat the Giants, so now they're two four and one, and they lead the division. But the play is Daniel Jones. It's zone read. We saw Alex Smith running this fifteen years ago when people didn't know how to defend it, and apparently. The Eagles still don't know how to defend it because Jones comes around the right side and there is a lane about 20 yards wide and he's just running downfield. He trips over his own feet. It looked for sure like he was going to score a touchdown. It would have been like an 89-yarder or something. But he trips and falls and this story says that the gaff broke the heart of one better who put down $500 on Jones to score the third touchdown of the game. A prop bet on a regular season Thursday night game. It was 10-7. Both teams had a touchdown. Wentz and I think Golden Tate had scored. So he's watching. He knows he bet 500 bucks. He gets 14760 bucks. This is his guy. Wide open. Midfield. 40-30. All of a sudden the piano's on his back. And stumbling, rumbling, fumbling and hitting the ground. Now, you probably have some awesome gambling stories. Have you heard anything like that? That's crazy. That's cringeworthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of gambling stories. I mean, he doesn't – that's the that's what he gets, but he doesn't get that entirely because you got to pay taxes on that. And the government jumps in and they make you fill out forms. Uh, I think it's anything uh, roughly over like $700, $800. Uh, the government's right there to take its share. So uh, you got to be aware of that. But, oh, yeah, I mean, good and bad with uh, gambling – you know, you go up to the window at the horse race track and you say something and um, it's heard differently. So you get punched out a different number. And so you don't know that you won or you'll see stuff to where, uh, you know, they, they give you a ticket, right? And then you, if you're at the place and then you cash in the ticket and you, you don't actually have to do it right then if you don't want to. I think there's a, there's a period of time that they can give you to uh, cash that thing out. So, but, you know, most folks go right then, uh, depending on what's going on, how big the lines are. But you'll see they'll, uh, they'll chuck stuff in, and you got to learn in the garbage can, you got to learn to wait because there might be a form of. Uh, so, a protest or challenge it? or something? Yeah, yeah. So At horse racing, the stewards right? sometimes review something to see if there's a foul and they DQ somebody. Well, you, you, you can allo- you lodge an objection. Yeah. And, and then. So you'll see that, and it's funny to just to see the emotions. Then, of course, the longer the, the the longer the shot is, the bigger the payoff, and so that that's when it gets really exciting. And then to see who wins, it's just like being in a sports book, you know. And I've been in sports books a million times over, and some late three screws something up in an NBA <laughs> right. game, and the amount of emotions that are going on. Uh, I, I, just it's for me. I grew up get in a gambling culture, 
and I, I haven't gambled on anything 25, 30 years maybe. Uh, and there was a time that I was doing it a lot, uh, but I just just got tired of it, so I don't do it. But I, I'm aware of it. I mean, I told you that story of uh, when Michigan State blocked that punt. To beat Michigan. Michigan right at the end of the game. Snatch yeah, victory from in, the jaws of defeat. I'm going to a Jimmy Buffett concert that night. And he uh, usually, for a lot of years, he'd end his tour with a Saturday at MGM, and then he'd go somewhere like the Mountain View Amphitheater up in the Bay Area or wherever, and a Wednesday, then he'd, then he'd come back and finish it off at the MGM. So he'd have two Saturdays in a row spliced in with a concert regionally in the middle of the week. So I'm at the MGM in the sports book when that happens. Oh, my goodness, the place went berserk. And then they all start looking up up in this little balcony in the sports book, and there's Charles Barkley. <laughs> He's going nuts. And I didn't know Barkley was up there because I got there right before the play actually happened, right? I mean, I saw the play there, but I'm walking through the uh, the casino. So they all knew that Barkley was there. I didn't, and I see hundreds of people. You can imagine the scene. So that that, to me... That's just so much energy, so much action. It's a lot of fun, particularly when I'm not losing a penny. and I got nothing at stake, but I'm just taking it in. And there was Barkley gambling away there. To me, especially with football, for some reason football seems like it's just a second cousin to gambling of all the sports. Yes, it's built for gambling. Right. Way better than most sports. Those yeah, point spreads yeah, you talk about in basketball. I mean, the point, it sounds good, but there's too many garbage hoops at the end of games that mess things up. And it's not that it can't right. happen in football. Scott Van Pelt's making a whole segment out of it on a regular basis, you know. Although it's weird the way gamblers can be negative. Why is it bad beats? You know, every time somebody loses in heartbreaking fashion, well, there's somebody else who bet the other side of it who's winning in stunning fashion. I mean, whatever. People like to torture themselves. I guess it's more fun that way. Mm-hmm. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, the NBA draft, we're closing in on it. 26 days away. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, will join us next. We'll talk NBA draft with him. And I, and I got a theory on uh, the offseason for the Jazz. One thing, one thing they need to add, a role player could add this, and it would help Donovan Mitchell a lot, I think. We'll run it by David Locke, see if he thinks I'm up in the night, comma, again. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst and Pac-12 analyst at 8.30. And Scotty G, voice of the Aggies at 9. Stay with us.